Welcome to the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast, where we invite you into a journey of healing and personal transformation that will radically change your divorce experience, heal your heart while refining your character, and set you up to be effective and feel empowered as you navigate the practical and emotional challenges of divorce. I'm your host, Karen McMahon, founder of Journey Beyond Divorce. My divorce brought me to my knees, and it also transformed me and set me on this path to help you. Our team of JBD coaches support men and women to engage in divorce with more calm, clarity, and confidence through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. The thing I want to leave with in 20 minutes is if if you're responding and reacting from a place of that fear, you're going to handle this very differently than if you're trying to figure out how do I how do I deal with the reality of the situation that I'm in? Um, and that's so that's where I want to be in, in 20 minutes or 25 minutes is like you feeling like, OK, wait, I have a choice here and I'm not just in a place of fear and panic and what the heck do I do when I'm in this situation? Welcome to JBD Team Talks with your host, Karen McMahon. During Team Talks, you get a chance to meet our JBD coaches as we discuss challenges and difficulties that are common to everyone facing divorce and provide you with tips and strategies to help you master the art of managing your thoughts, calming your emotions, and intentionally choosing your responses. And now for today's topic. Welcome back to another episode of JBD Team Talks. With me today is Diane. Welcome, Diane. Hey, Karen. Today, we're talking about when your spouse shows up like a child. And we've both had clients who have um, been challenged with uh, spouses with various issues. Uh, Top of mind is uh, the use of alcohol or uh, or marijuana or um, pharmaceutical drugs that impact them. And this is an area that Diane has a lot of experience in. So I'm going to bounce it over to you to kick us off. Well, and it's funny because, you know, I think everybody knows that I do parent coaching as well as divorce coaching. And it's like when the subject is how to handle it when your, your spouse starts behaving like a kid. Well, it's like, okay, so let's pull out our our parenting tools and figure out, you know, what do we do and how do we, how do we help um, navigate a, a difficult situation? And and I think part of this is where are you in the process, right? So it's a sort of, if you're in the process of trying to figure out, do I leave this person? Do I not leave this person? How do I navigate a relationship with this person? I think a lot of times I'll end up with a client who's like, I don't want to leave my spouse because they're actively drinking or using or are not just are just not mature enough to be on their own, let alone handle, you know, having kids, uh, you know, part time, you know, by themselves without me there. I mean, there's all these different pieces or I'm in the middle of the divorce and I'm faced with the reality of a, a separation agreement or a parenting agreement that says, 
my kids have to be with them for some period of the time and they're not responsible enough, right? So that it's a sort of, I see this person not responsible enough to take care of themselves and probably more of a challenge, more frequently a challenge. They're not responsible enough to take care of the kids. How do I handle that? Right. And the fear that comes up around, uh, number one, not wanting to take the other parent away from your child. I think everyone is feeling that way. It's like, I know that that he or she should be in their lives. And yet my number one priority is making sure my kid's okay. And I know that um, for whatever reason, that might not go so well if the other parent is along with them for a period of time. Well, and I think that that's that, you know, kind of the overarching piece here is that it's scary, right? It's just sort of, and um, we're scared for their future. We're scared for our future. We're scared for the kids' future. And I think the, the you know, the thing I want to leave with in 20 minutes is if if you're responding and reacting from a place of that fear, you're going to handle this very differently than if you're trying to figure out how do I, how do I deal with the reality of the situation that I'm in? Um, and that's, so that's where I want to be in in 20 minutes or 25 minutes is like you feeling like, okay, wait, I have a choice here and I'm not just in a place of fear and panic. And what the heck do I do when I'm in this situation? And do you think we could, um, so if we look at, okay, how are you looking at the difficulty, the challenge to begin with, uh, if we were to break it up into just two camps, one camp is uh, uh, more judgmental and critical, and he or she just should get their shit together and be an adult. And then the other camp might be, um, I've been caretaking, and my tendency is to caretake. And so uh, I'm, I've been treating my spouse as the added child and, and is that working for me? So if we had these two camps where one is about judging and one is maybe over caretaking, um, can we start there with what is a healthier, valuable way for both to look at the situation, explore what's really going on to be able to get to healthy choice? Well, and I think it's so funny because you're talking about the two camps. It's like, oh, I'm over caretaking for my spouse or I'm over expecting them to be, you know, I've got unrealistic expectations for them. And I'm saying, just kind of buck up, make it happen. What the heck's wrong. Right. And and where I think we ultimately want to find is a place in the middle that feels healthy and safe. Right. It's just sort of, if you've got a spouse who acts like a kid, you know, whether it's because they're using or whether it's because they may have a neuro difference. I, you know, I work with parents who have kids with ADHD, anxiety, all these sorts of things. So there may be some underlying Thing that's going on where you've got just a really playful human who's not really responsible and not the, you know, I, I know for me, part of the reason I married the person that I married was that he was, he was like spontaneous and fun and exciting and so different than me. And then it was like, okay, so wait, we prepare very differently because we are different people. Right. But if it's caretaking and, and over, you know, over, you know, Parenting your spouse is different than accommodating a spouse who has a difficult time handling things the same way you do. 
I like the way you just said that. So one of the things that we're going to do helping people get to the center is to that your that parenting is not your spouse is not the healthy thing to do. Um, condemning your spouse and and belittling your spouse is not the healthy thing to do. And so how do we begin to move both sides toward the middle? Well, I think that there's two core things underneath it is one is managing your what's going on for you underneath it, which might be about fear and and that sort of stuff that we, we can talk about that. And the other is about realistic expectations, right? It's just sort of, you want to, you want to hold your spouse ex, whatever we want to call them as accountable as they can be, but you don't want to set yourself up if, if what you're hoping they can do is not something they can realistically deliver on or even want to be able to deliver on. Right. And so that those are the two big buckets I see in terms of the work. Can you, can you just speak to, for our audience, um, I think that the concept that it's an unrealistic expectation for me to expect this middle-aged adult to show up as a middle-aged adult may, may truly fly over people's heads. So can we just start with why, what is it that, what is it about the situation that does require us to shift our expectations? What is that, that, even basic knowledge base of what's going on with the childlike adult that we want our listeners to understand. Well, and I think that that part of the challenge is I as I step into that is that we don't know for sure what's going on with the other person. Right? It's just sort of when you look at a person's behavior, you don't know whether underneath that is trauma, whether underneath that is addiction, whether underneath that is anxiety, ADHD, neurodiversity, whatever it is. So you don't know. And, and as, as people who are responsible adults, we look at irresponsible adults and we go, well, they're choosing to be that way. Exactly. I think right? that that's key that we it do is. see it that way. And I think that here's the challenge. This is what happens. It's like, if I look at another human and, and I watch and I'm like, they're, they're choosing to be that way. I'm going to be like, I'm going to be frustrated and angry. And why can't they make a different choice? And the reality is where, where you, I believe that we best make our decisions and our choices is when we're not in a, how dare you or afraid place, but we're in a, okay, wait, what if this is just the way they are, right? It's sort of, if you can get to, what if this is just the way they are? Not saying it's okay, not saying it's good, bad, whatever. It's just a sort of, if I just said, this is a grown-ass man or a grown-ass woman, and this is who they are, how do I manage through that reality instead of being frustrated that there's something that they're not, that, that I, because I want them to be something that they're not, I'm stopping being frustrated. I'm dealing with my reality instead of being frustrated. And I'm able to figure it out in a different way than I can if I'm angry and frustrated. Does that make sense for me? Yeah. So I'm just going to, I'm going to say it differently because what I hear you saying is it's almost like that practice of acceptance. It is what it is. He or she is showing up the way they're showing up. If you could find a way to release your judgment of it and simply be with what is your frustration, your 
aggravation goes down, you can think more clearly and you can make clearer choices. Am I? There's one tweak to what you said, where it's just a sort of releasing your judgment, right? It's a sort of, I have every right to judge your behavior is not good, right? But it's the story I tell myself about why you're doing it. It's still not okay that you're acting like a little kid, but I can deal with the fact that you're acting like a little kid very differently if I'm if I have a different level of understanding or acceptance than if I'm pretending that you you're doing this on purpose or pre, or making the story up that you're doing this on purpose. It's really about getting you into a space where you're as calm as you can be in a really difficult situation. Right. And so what you're saying is it's it's not so much the judgment if someone's a grown individual acting like a child, you'll have judgment when you start getting into the why, why he or she is doing that. And and we talk about that. That's how you take divorce pain and you ramp it up to suffering is because you create these whys that may or may not be true and that end up hamstringing you. The the this the thing I always say is I don't think we put this in the 12 steps, but it's like if you're going to create a story, create one that makes you feel good. Yeah. So you're watching this person's behavior and you're like, oh, my gosh, they're such an idiot. I can't believe they would do this. They're completely irresponsible. Don't they are they never going to grow up? I mean, there, there's all of that sort of storyline there. And if I think that I'm like the minute at least where I go to is like. Oh my gosh, how could I choose this person as a partner? And oh my gosh, am I going to be stuck with them forever? And oh my gosh, how could I possibly let them take care of my kids? Right. It's just sort of the story is there, right? It's that's draws me a certain direction. But if I can go, okay, wait, sometimes it feels better to say they're not doing this on purpose. What if they're not doing this on purpose? What if they're not doing it out of conscious response? Does it make me feel better to say, wow, this person is under the influence and, and is, has lost control or this person is act is, you know, doesn't have the follow through and the, you know, the responsibility that I, I, uh, any typical, what I see as a typical 30 year old or 40 year old or whatever it is would have. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and, and I just want to say that what we're saying, um, is simple in concept, incredibly difficult when you're really, going through really a divorce. Different. You've got, got a couple of kids, God forbid, teenagers too. And like, you're dealing with all this stuff. Like it is not easy and, and feeling aggravated or resentful or overwhelmed or exhausted and seeing your partner not pull their weight. Um, there's all of the emotions are understandable. What Diane and I are getting to is as understandable as they are, um, it, does it serve you to stay in that place of frustration, aggravation, judgment, fear, anger? And we would say no, that no matter what stage of divorce you're in, if you can get yourself to acceptance and a calmer state of mind, you'll be able to make the kind of choices that are going to serve you and your child or your children. Right. Well, and you were talking earlier, but before we started recording about, um, a couple of your clients and I don't, I want to paraphrase here, but it's like this sort of, I can't leave my relationship. And I personally, I did this. I can't leave my relationship because they'll end up in the gutter or they'll whatever, you know, it's like this sort of, so we get 
strapped in and it's like this sort of, I'm so afraid to do this. I'm so afraid to leave this relationship because I'm afraid for their future. I'm afraid for my kids' future, this sort of thing. And so if I'm operating from a place of fear, I'm like the, the animal in my brain is going, no, this is terrible. The world's going to end. Don't do it. Right. And so we're not making a conscious choice about whether or not this relationship is serving us. We're acting from a place of pat or a place of passion or fear, right? Or the opposite might be, how dare they? I've got to get out of there. Nobody can treat me like this. And I'm running the other direction because that, again, it's that animal in our brain is like, this has to change. It has to change right now. Or I've got to stay, I've got to keep everybody safe. What, you know, kind of whatever the coping happens to be that's going on. Right. So, um, so, Finding your way to a calm place is is key with an understanding that and especially depending on the age of your children that you and if you're in those stages where you're trying to create a custody uh, schedule, a parenting schedule going forward, um, you need to be calm and clear to figure out how do we do this in a way that that's number one serves the children uh number two that i'm taking care of myself and number three that the other parent is actually getting to see those kids whatever that looks like listening to our podcast for a while and still feel emotionally stuck and overwhelmed? If you desire to experience the ease and confidence we so often speak about, we have a program just for you. Our Broken to Brilliant group coaching program provides the emotional support and practical guidance needed to move forward with certainty and confidence. It's a safe, caring, and affordable space to heal from the pain of divorce and create a life you love. You can learn more about this 12-week program, which includes six 90-minute group sessions, powerful coaching that catapults you forward, and a community of peers there to support you. Just go to jbddivorcesupport.com backslash broken to brilliant and register today. We'll see you soon. Let's talk about that piece of it, that piece of, um, well, before we get to creating choice, I think we have to speak about um, the behavior of the person who marries um, the alcoholic, the addict, the the neurodiverse individual, because um, you want to look at your behaviors and how well you've been taking care of yourself and um, and where your caretaking is coming from. We talked about this, whether it's the way, whether your caretaking is coming from a place of um, love and service, compassion and service, or if it's coming from fear. Uh, and because what you don't want to do if you are having some of those codependent behaviors is um, write them into a legal document going forward, unless you're consciously choosing to go in that direction out of service for your kids and your ex as opposed to fear. Does that make sense? 
It does. And it's that, I mean, again, it's like, that's sort of easier said than done, right? It's just sort of because some of the stuff we're dealing with is, is scary stuff, right? right? It's this sort of, I mean, I'm, I'm listening to all in the back of my head. I'm thinking about all of our clients who are married to narcissists or married to people who are just really, you know, in, you are afraid for your, your life, your kid's life, whatever it is. And you're still trying to figure out how do I create an equitable, reasonable divorce that keeps all of us safe and gives us permission to have relationships, you know, it gives whoever permission to have relationships that they're going to have in the future. Right. And that's one of the conversations I found myself having again and again is where you are now is not where you're going to be in five or 10 years. And if you make decisions that cut off your ability to be this independent dating, potentially in relationship person going forward, um, will that be okay for you? Or will that just foster more bitterness and resentment of the person, even though you're making the choice? And so that whole concept of how do I make a choice now that protects my kids and also gives me opportunity to have a life going forward um, and yet takes into consideration that the other parent is uh, childlike. Well, and I think that that's the piece of it is like, I think about there's a lot of people who will choose to stay in a marriage longer than they naturally would because they have kids. And, right. and that may be a choice that you made make, but again, it's just sort of, if you can say, you know what, this is going to be better for all of us for the next seven years until the kids are at least in middle middle school and can, you know, call me if they're having a hard time or what, you know, that, that sort of thing. And we've got, that's a reasonable decision, but I've been doing that and panicking versus going, you know what, I'm going to just make the best of this for the next seven years because, and I'm consciously saying, I'm going to try to figure out how to make this work for me and for the kids for the next few years. And I obviously not everybody can make this decision in the same way that I'm suggesting, but if I'm consciously saying, okay, what, what are my options? And I think that this is the piece when we get afraid or we get blamey or pointing the fingers, our options shrink down and our creativity of how to handle stuff goes away. Right. And, and so we want you to be as creative and constructive and conscious about taking care of yourself and your kid. And to the extent that you want to, you know, your, your co-parent, your, your soon to be ex. Um, and it's hard to do that when you're in a place of fear. And I think that that's where, for me, the thought of when you can get to a place of acceptance, you have more choices. And if you can make a choice, and, and here's the thing, whatever choice you make, if you look at it and say, okay, this is my choice. Um, I can't go back and blame my ex for this choice at any point in time, because this is a choice I'm making. And, and to be able, if you're sitting in acceptance and you're not coming from fear and you're looking at that choice and saying, I'm, I'm signing up for this, uh, this is this is the best that I can come up with and I'm okay with it and I'm signing up with it, then there's less likely to be that bitterness, resentment or rub going forward. Um, and so how do we help people get there? Well, it's really interesting as well. As you were saying that I was, I was thinking about um, one of my clients and they're working with a, a marriage counselor and the marriage counselor Ask that they're they're working through some co-parenting issues. They're working through some, you know, personal dynamic issues. And the marriage counselor said, in order for this to work, 
you need to be willing to say, I am not going to suggest divorce. I am not going to explore divorce. I'm not going to do any of these things for 12 months. Can you do that? You know, and just really get to a, where it's like this sort of that, that, that gate that says I'm out. Right. Because that's what we do. We get, it gets so bad and we get to this point. It's like, I got to get out of here. Right? It's a sort of, but if, if one choice is pushed down the road and so you're forced to kind of say, okay, I really need to take time to think through this. Right. And so that that's in this particular instance, it was really hard because she was like, can I that's make my comments? escape hatch? That's my escape hatch. Can I really give up my escape hatch for 12, for 12 months? That feels like right. forever. It's like, right. because what happens to us, it's like, well, if it gets really bad, at least I can leave. Right. It's just sort of, that's what, that's what our head does. Our head goes, if I can, if it really gets bad, then I can leave. Right. And so it's again, it's a sort of dancing with what are my choices and how do I make those choices consciously instead of just having it be an escape hatch or run away or whatever it is. So one of the things that um, I recommend to clients when they're in the earlier stages, so they haven't yet created the settlement agreement and the parenting time is uh, especially if you've been the 80% parent, like you've been doing, is to use this period as a test to actually create the parenting plan to talk about the other spouse. And let's say, let's say your, your spouse says, I want 50-50 custody. Give them an opportunity. Start with the every other weekend thing. See how they do. And maybe if you have young children, they're not taking the children from Friday afternoon until Monday morning. But it's like, okay, let's just start with you have the kids, even if you're both under the same roof, the kids are yours every Saturday or something so that if every Saturday and they come back three hours later and they're done, that's good information. And if they can keep the kids all weekend, that's good information. And so one of the strategies I encourage people to do in those early stages is have that conversation, start talking about this is happening. There will be shared parenting time. Let's, let's use this period as a test. Um, Sometimes the other parent will be like, I can't uh, uncle, I can't do that much time. That's good information for both people. It's going to help in the negotiation. So that's one strategy. No, and I think that that makes sense. The thing that was coming up as you were talking about that is, you know, what is and isn't realistic in terms of collaborative conversations with this person who acts like a kid, right? It's a sort of, you may, you may not even know, or they may not be able to say, uncle, I'm out. You may, you know, find out after the fact, particularly if you have older kids, uh, we just laid around and ate candy all afternoon and, mom or dad was off doing something else, right? It's just sort of, and that's hard stuff to hear. Right. Um, and th- we did a whole other episode on um, what to do if you're not on the same page with, the, if, if the, the, the rules your are different emotion. in different houses, yeah. if you're yeah, yeah. right? And, and so there's, that's part of that is that letting go. Part of it, again, it's just sort of figuring out what, what's reality versus what's fear, right? Because the, the reality is that you're, your co-parent may not be responsible enough uh, in certain situations to take care of a three-year-old or uh, a 10-year-old 
who, you know, or, or whatever it happens to or, be. Or have them on Sunday night or Wednesday night when Monday and Thursday are test days. And that's why. Or even getting them to school on time, right? It's just exactly. sort of, they, you know, it, again, part of what it, this is, is about saying, okay, wait, it's, this is not realistic. Um, well, and really, I think that I, I want to say, because my ex did so little bit, I thought a lot of things weren't realistic. Mm-hmm. And then when we did the test, it happened and he may not have done it my way, but he showed up in every way. And so I think part of it also is, um, you know, I was, I was pretty significantly codependent. And it's like, well, if he knew I was going to do everything, he didn't have to do everything. But once it came time to take it on, part of it is actually don't create a story that he or she can't like do that piece, do that test. And, and then you'll just know it's like, I'm hands off. I'm not suggesting putting your children in danger, but I'm suggesting taking those baby steps to see how it plays out. Well, and the question that's kind of coming up is like, do how, how likely is it that someone would ask for something like a parenting agreement that they really didn't want, or they really didn't think that they could handle it. You know, it's this sort of, they may not have realistic expectations for themselves, but they want to, you know, most, I mean, I'm assuming that, you know, somebody's not going to say, oh, I want 50% custody. Uh, and is it possible they just have no reality of what that might look like? I mean, I think that's the I, question I, to ask. I, and I think the answer is absolutely. In, in, in situations Yes, there's a fight for I've actually had this conversation with CEOs who are totally, you know, executive functioning. And it's like, can you can you do the 50 percent you want to do? So and that's with someone who's, you know, mentally executive functioning all there. And and so I think that coming back to fear, right? All of us afraid of losing our kids. And so we have to test everything. And so if you're in those early stages and you have the ability to say, I have my story, he or she has their story, let's just play it out. Let's see what happens over the course. I have one client who's doing six weeks. She's a six week test. And it, and we talk and she's frustrated and I'm like, good information, write it down. Good. This is all good information. This is all going to give you data basically for saying, well, it's not just a story. We've gone through X period of time and this is the pattern. So can we create something based on the pattern? Um, yeah. As, and there's as, a, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, what I was going to say is that there's a there ends up being an element of trust in there, and it, and it, I mean going back to my parent coaching hat for a minute, and it's like you might need to be willing to consider that your kids during the experiment there might be a day that your kid misses school, and the world will not end if you know if they miss school or if they're late or if they're you know it's like this sort of if we think it has to be like you said it has to be our way or the experiment has failed. We're going to handle it very differently than if it's like okay, let's see what happens. Well, what happened was three out of the four days that they were with them. They didn't get to school on time. That's great information. How do I build that into my conversations about what the agreement should be? Exactly. And and perhaps you don't start with a full week of school too. So it's like what you know, (laughs) it might be, well, you get Sunday night if they show up 
on time on Monday and, and they're prepared for whatever. So, so that's just one thing for our listeners to consider is if you have the time and space, don't wait to start sharing your parenting time until after the divorce is signed, sealed and delivered. Do it early on so that you have data for negotiating and, and then getting back to the decision making um, that ability to regulate your emotions so that you can be calm and clear and and accessing, as you said, that wide range of creative choice versus the fear where it's like we're looking through a pinhole and there's only one choice. And one choice, and, that's it. And we're yeah. being reactive, right? Well, and I think that that's the thing. It's like that we're discerning. It's like we want to be discerning. I mean, it's like we don't, we want to make choice decisions that feel comfortable as comfortable as they can because we're not this is not fun stuff guys this is right. difficult stuff for most of us and we want to do it in a way that feels as comfortable and as authentic and is taking care of us and is taking care of our kids um as consciously as we can and again it's just sort of i love that pinhole right it's sort of if i'm afraid this is my pinhole i i like i can either stay or i can go and it has to happen right now versus okay wait how do i figure out how to find a solution that's going to work, what would I need to do to, to, you know, to explore what will or won't work in a way that keeps all of us okay while we're trying to make a final decision. That's why I like that experiment thing. Yeah. And, and the other thing I'll say as we wrap up is uh, there's a big difference between having an 18 month old and having a 15 year old. And so a lot of parents start negotiating parenting time as if time is freezing and their children are always going to be three. Yeah. And there is something called a tiered plan where if you do have young children, preschool children, and they're used to being with you, you can create a plan, a tiered plan and uh, custodyexchange.com. And that's an X change.com. Um, it'll be in the show notes is a great place to go to learn about that. Uh, so as we wrap up, uh, Diane, um, how would you summarize? And then I'll add in my few notes here. Well, um, well, what I would say is that there's the theme is setting realistic expectations, which is this sort of seeing seeing the person as who they are and not as who you think they should be. And that leads you to how do I stay discerning instead of reactive so that I can be as creative as possible in, in terms of coming up with a, a reasonable solution to a very difficult problem instead of the pinhole solution. And to, to take time, I think is part of what we're saying is to take the time to kind of say, okay, so how do we, how do we make this happen? How do we stage this to the extent that you can, um, so that you are setting everybody up for success. Um, and that, and the thing you just said, there's not, there's not always a final answer, right? This doesn't have to be forever. You can reevaluate custody agreements. You can put things in them that say, okay, so we're going to check on this every three months and, and come back and have a conversation about how it's working. I mean, all of those sorts of things. When I talk about agreements, I always talk about the fact that an agreement, a good agreement always has a way to be evaluated for whether or not it's working for everybody involved. Yeah. And so if you think it's going to be black and white that and forever, you're going to, 
you, there's a risk there that you can get locked into something that doesn't feel good for yourself. Right. Right. And, and I would add to that, um, while you're exploring what's going on with your ex, take the time to explore what's going on with you. For those of us who have married difficult personalities, there's often, um, some controlling and codependence and fear going on. And so you want to get really clear on your part in the dynamic so that as you're breaking it and getting and making these choices, you're making them from a healthier place. And, and that key piece of uh, just notice your 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 judgment story, your why story, and see if you can just let that go. That why could be a lot of different things, and it's irrelevant. The behavior is the behavior, and that's what you have to engage with and make choices around. Love it. Great conversation. The other thing I want to say is if this is you and this resonates with you and you're just like, I need more, write to us, Karen at journeybeyonddivorce.com. Ask your questions, ask for the topics you want on this team talks and we will provide. Absolutely. Thanks. Great. Thanks so much, Diane. Back to you soon. Until next time, we'll see you then. Thanks for joining us on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. I hope you found guidance and encouragement to help you along your journey. If you like my podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also visit us at jbddivorcesupport.com, where our team of coaches support both men and women through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Stay tuned for our next episode, and I'll talk to you soon.